the Marvel Universe, catching up with Nathan Drake, breaking in with Burgle Brothers, and never eating Nando's. This is Staying In. My delay was caused by the train in Macclesfield just deciding to stop and not move for around 20 minutes while I was sat next to a man who smelt like Bisto gravy. Was the train busy? Was it like the Was it like the Bisto advert? Did was it like was it this ground, this brown kind of fume above you, and you, you 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 kind of sniffed it out, and you kind of left the ground, and you were kind of floating along, trying to follow the smell. Chris, what Sorry, you're describing reminds Mark me of like a 1950s train full of people smoking cigars and talking about wise guys. That like was pretty Express. much. That was pretty much it, Dan. Yeah, it smelt like. The only way I can describe it is, you know when you're hungover and you can smell food and it makes you feel ill? Yeah. That's sort of how it was. Because I knew that there was nothing delicious about this man who smelt of Bisto. It was probably just his very unique B.O. Or pheromones. Was he eating Bisto? B.O. <laughs> because that could have been another reason. That or could... even worse, he sweats Bisto. Oof. He makes making a roast easy, though. Morning, noon and night. I heard the other day that you you were in Salford and you refused to have a Nando's. Yeah, this is this is something we've discussed before. Um, I've I realised that I just never had a Nando's. I came close once, um, but I just never had a Nando's. And now I quite like the fact that I've never had a Nando's, and so I want to remain. I want to stick with it and just see. Because <laughs> because I don't I don't understand how you can like not having had something. Because I enjoy the fact... I enjoy having the conversation of, I've never been to Nando's, and people go, you've never been to Nando's? I enjoy that conversation. Because I can go, yes. I am special. I do, I do actually have to agree with Dan. I've never seen Avatar all the way through. And I'm quite proud of the fact that I haven't seen Avatar. It's like this weird reverse snobbery that I'm like, no, oh, I've just not seen it. I'll get I've around ne- to it. I've never seen The Sound of Music, which my students think is absolutely mad. But that's quite I think mad. Like, that's, 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 that's a well, big Dan, film. Dan, Dan, you're a brummy like me. We're quite stubborn. What we tend to find is if people keep raving about something for quite a while, we're less likely to engage with it. So I've, I've not watched Breaking Bad. I'm about three episodes through, but it was beca- just because everyone was raving about it that I chose not to watch it out of some kind of stubbornness. Well, our, our good and, friend Sam yeah. does that all the time. Decides he's not going to watch something just because someone says... He purposely it's... goes against popular opinion. To defend Sam, just for a second, I do find that whenever, if you get overly negative about something, Sam can be counted on to see the positive side of things. That's what I like about him. They have the in the same way, if yeah. you're overly positive about something, he will find the negative in it. I think it's like the devil's advocate. I think that it's just as trying to be as objective as you possibly can, really. He's the balance to your humours, Dan. There we go. He is the yin-yang. Can we yeah. talk about Star Wars, or is, has the time passed? I don't think it's passed at all. Danny, you've seen it, haven't you? I've Dan? seen it. Yeah, we've all seen it. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk if, about Star Wars. Let's okay, bloody well, then, do then, it. Then, then you should. Uh, do you want to go into spoiler territory, or are you, oh are yeah, you, we've got to go into bloody spoiler territory. Okay, just just check because I mean, you know I don't, I don't I never know. You never just follow no. I think I think as long as you flag it up, just make things clear. Fine. Dan, on the day Star Wars came out, I was moderating comments on a Facebook group. And the, st- the spoilers were there for all to see. I oh, had to no. install an app on my laptop that blocked the spoilers, which meant that then I couldn't do my job. Oh, no, Bruce Willis is dead. <laughs> what, at the end of Die Hard? I'm, it's funny because, like, I'm not a massive Star Wars fan, but I found myself, I couldn't help myself, that it was quite infectious, the kind of whiff of nostalgia when I was in the cinema that kind of emanated, kind of like the Bisto gravy granules of the old man you encountered Tom, on that train in Macclesfield. And I found myself getting swept up by it. And it was weird to kind of get nostalgic for something that I never really had a romantic attachment to. See, I, I had the opposite effect because, like, the first film I remember properly going to see in cinemas was A New Hope. Uh, I wanted to go see Space Jam, but when we got to the cinema my dad said would you believe it they were sold out of tickets for Space Jam and I had and he was like but don't worry I've got tickets to see something you'll really like and I was like mm, whatever I want to see Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny turned out to be New Hope obviously loved it and I have a real fondness for Star Wars but when me and a friend of ours Ricardo went to see it we were in the lobby of the theatre 
and they were playing the Star Wars music, you know, and it was all a big event. And I don't know, it's the saturation of Star Wars robbed me of a little bit of of the magic, a little bit. But so when I went to see it with you, Chris, you were there, weren't you? Or was it just Sam? It was just Sam. I went and saw it by myself. Uh, I felt I, on the second viewing when there were less people there and it was less of an event. I enjoyed it a lot more. Like, I, I got that magical cinematic feeling more than the first time, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. A lot of people have actually said that, actually, because the first one was really just try this kind of unconscious anxiety, oh, my word, is it going to be any good? And once they were kind of secure with the fact that it was better than they thought it would be, they could go and watch it a second time and actually enjoy it. See, I, I kind of... I, didn't, I waited for a few weeks to watch it, so by the time I got to see it, I knew the general consensus was that it was really good. I'd avoided all spoilers, but I knew the general consensus was... I'd, I'd seen kind of headline articles of, like, is The Force Awakens the best Star Wars? Is it better than Empire? So I knew it was always going to be hitting a high bar. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've been a fan of the, the series for many years. I wouldn't say I'm, like, an uber fanboy or anything like that, but I, I've been a fan of it. And I didn't... I wasn't detesting all the prequels and stuff like that they were rubbish films but that's about it I don't feel offended by them like like some fans would um, and I think for me the, the nostalgia aspect of The Force Awakens the nostalgia aspect was nice I liked it but it was probably by, strange enough and I'm probably very much going against popular opinion um, the nostalgia aspect was probably my least favourite part of the film um, for me, it obviously had all the nostalgia from Star Wars, but it was just a really good, fun action adventure film based uh, around kind of what you get from action adventure films in in the modern modern era. That's what you get, and it ticked all those boxes. It was really good fun, really good characters. I found myself when you had scenes between Leia and Han Solo, it was nice to see them, but I found myself kind of let's go back to the other characters. Them, I'm having much more fun with them than I am with. The characters that I know, the only one, the only the old character that I really enjoyed was Chewie because Chewie's always great. Exactly. <laughs> uh, to play devil's advocate for a second, though, and I think I think then when you said that nostalgia was probably not the weakest element of it, but it's certainly something that you you spot. Like essentially, it was a New Hope. You know, it was a stealth reboot of a New Hope, almost. Yeah. Do you think? So let's look at something that Star Trek fans said when J.J. Abrams rebooted Star Trek, that it wasn't Star Trek, he just, he just made a Star Wars film, re- skinned with Star Trek, if that makes sense. Um, and do you not, like, if you look at it, they're quite similar in that he knew the elements that fans liked, like people like lightsabers, people like Kirk, people like... You know, you've got to have a, uh, a Star Wars villain who wears a mask and is intimidating. Stormtroopers are a bit incompetent. You know, to take it Star Trek, uh, Vulcans. You know, like those beat those elements that you expect, almost like punctuation in a franchise. You know, that like reassure the fans. Oh yeah, this is a, I am watching Star Trek. I am watching Star Wars. Do you think if you took if if this wasn't a Star Wars film, this was just another sci-fi film, people would think it was as good as it was because people were raving about this some did say it was better than empire which is insanity um i don't think it's insanity i think empire has a stronger story but uh i think for the film that it is a force awakens is really really good and i would definitely put it up there um it's obviously a very different type of film um if i would take out the star wars aspect and kind of just say i never ever and i will never ever get old uh never get tired of being in the cinema and having the Star Wars logo and the music hit, bang! I will never get tired of that because every time that happens, every time I see it on a massive screen, I get goosebumps. It's just everything. It Tom is Williams, incredible. That John whole Williams, thing is bro. music, the the Im- just the imagery, just the imagery of the Star Wars suddenly bang, l- lighting up the screen. Never get all of that. Never get tired of that. Um, but yeah, if it wasn't Star Wars, I still think it would be really, really popular because I think it's just a really good action film in the same way that when Marvel brought out Guardians of the Galaxy that wasn't a Marvel film obviously it was but it wasn't what was typically seen as a Marvel film but it was really really successful because it was a really good fun film and there's a lot of and that kind of changed a lot of things and there's brought in a lot of humour and if you look at all the characters in The Force Awakens um, so many of those new characters are just good fun and they're really well rounded characters who you kind of want to spend time with even going into someone like Kylo Ren he's, he's a really interesting character that you want to know more about and I think there's just so many good parts of it that you don't need... It doesn't need to be Star Wars for it to be successful. 
if it was if it wasn't Star Wars, it would still be very popular. Probably not as much because it's got the whole thing behind it. But I think it's absolutely, absolutely would be as successful as it's been. <laughs> are you going to buy it on DVD? I don't think I'm going to buy it. Uh, I think I would. I think I would. I think I think I'm going to. I'm starting to buy less and less films now after seeing it at the cinema. Like good films, mine. Like I saw Mad Max last year. I absolutely adored it. But I don't think I'm going to buy it. That was a cinema experience. I think... I don't know. I, having watched Mad Max in the cinema and having watched Mad Max on TV, I think uh, it's definitely a lesser experience seeing yeah. it on a smaller screen. But I think with Star Wars... Star Wars is just one of those things that... And, you know, you, you, you've said you're not a huge fan yourself. You know, or at least you're not a fanboy. Um, but I think Star Wars is one of those things which I'm quite completionist about. Like, I do have all... The, I do have all six films currently available and I will just get the seventh it's like I have all the Marvel films but most of them are still in the packaging like I don't watch well, do you, them do you have Hulk as well the Incredible Hulk I do have Norton. Incredible Hulk I also Blimey. have Hulk Ang Lee oh my word yeah yeah you see that's not MCU canon is it really well it, no it is it is what uh, uh, well, Ang Lee's Hulk Ang Lee's Hulk is loose they never contradict it so they're not, Blimey, they're not that's no. it. Well, Kevin, Yo, Kevin, hang on Kevin no, it's slightly different because was a producer on the original Hulk yeah, well, but no, it was slightly different because in terms of his origin story, in the Edward Norton one, it's like it was in the TV series where he kind of fires a gamma ray onto himself. But Whereas I think in the first one, it's a complete accident in the Ang Lee Hulk. If you remember in the first one, there is a chair very much like the um, TV, sh- TV show. Like, you do see that. You are right, I think, that it's an accident. It's been a while since I watched Ang Lee. But I think, interestingly, this, um, this leads to Mark Ruffalo saying that there will be no standalone Hulk film this uh, um, no, it, I saw that the other day I think it's it's interesting they seem to what they're doing they've been quite canny Marvel because if our track record shows a standalone Hulk film doesn't do very well both critically and in terms of gross profits I don't think the, but, I don't think the character of doing, Hulk works that well on a, on a feature he's an thing. ensemble you need someone to play off against him completely like, agree but I read like the new Thor film apparently is going to be like a road trip movie between Thor and Hulk across the galaxy and I'd, I'd, they, they were talking heard, about the other day. I'd heard elements that they were kind of trying to do a Planet Hulk movie without actually doing a Planet Hulk movie. And kind That's of lend, the bring, bring it into. Because obviously, the only person who can go into space is Thor. So you throw Hulk in with Thor, yeah. and then you can do a, a version of Planet Hulk without actually having uh, to dedicate a whole film to Planet Hulk. Because there's so many problems with trying to do a full feature length Hulk film. Well, they did, they did an animated version of the Hulk, Planet Hulk. Um, story, which I didn't mind actually. I quite like. I quite like the um, the DC and Marvel animated stuff. Um, but the, what I heard as well, there was a new recent article with the director of the the new Thor film, who's uh, fantastic. I think he's a Kiwi director. Excuse me. He did um, what we do in the shadows. Oh and, yes, that was um, the um, the vampire. Comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he's talking about you know the, there's this question being raised as to how articulate the Hulk is going to be. Because I don't, you nobody really wants to watch a film of just well, they might do actually of Hulk just grunting while Thor is trying to be articulate and all Shakespearean. Well, and that's, that's one of the issues that Hulk... you have trying to make Hulk speak. Well, well, I've I've heard that the the Hulk in Ragnarok is going to be a bit more verbose than the yeah. smash Hulk, you know, puny god type we've seen. In because I I don't know what you both know about Planet Hulk, but the idea is that. Banner sort of regresses to survive on that alien world, so the Hulk yeah. takes full control and becomes far more intelligent because Banner's not really fighting it as much. Um, there's also like um, that's actually come out recently. Mark Ruffalo said that the Hulk and Banner are slowly becoming very similar. They're not like poles apart from each other, as they're starting to kind of tolerate each other. That the Hulk is kind of becoming more Banner-esque, and Banner is becoming more Hulk-esque, which should be quite interesting. Well, isn't I there like that- there's bit. That goes back to the whole thing of in uh, Avengers Assemble, the whole thing of I'm always angry and him being in control of when and when he can turn into the Hulk and not. Such a good moment. You know that moment got a lot of flack, and I don't think it's justified. Like it, it, it sort of made sense to me that you it's know. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. It makes perfect sense. But online, people were not happy with that moment. They're like, well, what does it mean? What does it mean? Like he's always angry. Well, it, it fundamentally changes the, the character, doesn't it? It fundamentally changes it, the fact that he's not in the fact that he's in control of the Hulk. Kind of goes against what the Hulk is about. It's about him trying to no, fight we, against this other side of himself. 
Well, what we've I th- well, from what I took from the earlier scene when he had lost control, you know, thanks to Loki, that there was always the tension that he could lose control, but he has a handle on it at the moment. You know, like yeah. when he like he has a handle on it and can control it to an extent. But like like anger, you know, a lot of people have anger issues, but yeah. he can sort of just keep the you know keep it under control. But then one thing will just push him over and they lose complete control. It's why like. In the in Avengers two, when uh, Scarlet Witch messes with his head, and he goes mental uh, in South like, Africa, yeah, he feels so ashamed because you know it's almost like an, an addict who's relapsed. Essentially, mm. that's what I saw it as that he was so upset because he thought he'd beaten it, and of course, and then this one thing happens and it's completely put him back to step stage zero. That's the tragedy of the Hulk, isn't it? I mean, I was terrified of that character as a child. I was terrified by that idea that anything could set him off. Um, and, and like the TV series, I was kind of always on edge as a child watching the old Bill, Bill Bixby, is it? TV series, years so, ago. Yeah. Um, that has that incredible kind and of Luke closing Freeman. title sequence where it's just by the road, thumbing a left, and it's got that music, mm. the parody and family guy. Yeah, so I just finished watching recently Jessica Jones sticking in all things Marvel and um, I rather quite liked it um, I'm not sure whether I prefer it to Daredevil it's much more complex and interesting than Daredevil Daredevil uh, I would say I preferred it to Daredevil but that's only because I'm a huge David Tennant fan and I think he's yeah. Purple Man he played that character with such a level of uh, hang, on. Just... hang on hang on Dan hasn't seen it has he I've, I've not seen it no I've, I've, well, I've, well, I've right. seen Daredevil well, well, We'll stick a pin in this, then we'll, we'll come yeah. back to it. Well, well, Daredevil 2, Dan, have you heard about the new Daredevil 2? Yeah, I've, I've heard all about Daredevil. So Daredevil, I'm, I'm all the, about. Uh, the Punisher and stuff like yeah. that. Mm. Is, is, um, is Wilson Fisk appearing in the second series? I imagine so. He was, yeah. cause he he was, was so too good a character. He made that series. He really did. He was literally, in all the Marvel films and everything, he was the first actual proper villain that you're kind of like, yeah, you're, a, you're an actual villain as opposed to well, everything else well I, personally I think that that character the idea because you know you've got Loki and Ultron and you know all the all the ridiculous sideshow characters the idea of evil exists the Kingpin could exist like and does you oh, know yeah. uh, and I think that's what's so frightening about him and especially the fact that they bothered to show him as a real person like he wasn't cackling with evil and rubbing his hands together with glee yeah, he you know he had relationships and he had motivation for these th- you know for why he was the way he was, and I think that there's something compelling about that character. Like if we look at the Ben Affleck film, where I I, I think the Kingpin's the strongest part of that film as well. Michael Clark Duncan, the late Ma- great Michael Clark Duncan. Indeed, in fact, and of you know. He was, honestly, he carried that film on his extremely broad shoulders. Although uh, Colin Farrell is uh, dead, is it Deadshot? Bullseye. Bullseye, that was it, sorry. Mixing up my universes. Yeah, I remember watching that as a kid in the cinema, and everyone quite liked uh, Bullseye. With his uh, head tattoo, or scar. Yeah, bizarre scar. Um, No, I mean, at the risk, I'm not spoiling anything down by saying that David Tennant's villain is you have the similar kind of level of complexities you have with the kingpin most definitely most definitely um I, 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 can we just talk about netflix as well because netflix thing. netflix you know recently snubbed of course because of course with at the oscars i'm i mean all i watch now is netflix like the other day uh my brother my sister and my parents we've all gone into the deal where you get four screens and it's like ultra hd and that cost me like two quid a month and um, admittedly, there's not a lot of super HD stuff on there, but um, it's just I've, I've not run out of choice of things to, in terms of things to watch, and it's just great. I I, I think yeah. I'm a bit of an addict when it comes to these streaming sites because I'm I'm signed up with Netflix, I'm signed up with Amazon, I, I've got Sky, I've got I, basically there's no kind of streaming service that I don't have, and I'm wow. I'm kind of a bit overwhelmed by it. E- each of them has a I particular think- show that I've wanted on there that I'd, that I've then bought. I've then, which has caused me to buy. So, for example, stuff like Netflix, it'll be your Marvel stuff as well as other bits and yeah. pieces. And whereas with Amazon, there'll be there's plenty of good stuff on Amazon. There's really good films on Amazon. So 
I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit addicted to it, and so I'm kind of from the other sense I'm kind of a bit overwhelmed by the amount of stuff I can watch. I honestly think that streaming's just it's incredible. It's, it's the best invention. It's just like I, the fact that I can like pause something on my tablet and play it, ca- carry it on on my TV almost instantaneously. It's on just Netflix. the convenience. Everything about it mm. is just remarkable. Well, I've, I've managed to win my parents around to it, which I never thought would happen. Although there's a problem because they've got an old Samsung TV. Um, it's got like the built-in. It's like one of the first smart TVs, and um, the Netflix in, in, interface. What I did is I set up a, a whole like separate user name for all my members of my family, so we all have different profiles. The problem is my parents' one; they just use mine. <laughs> so like I look in my favourites. There's like uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, which I'm really enjoying. That's really good fun. I've never got around um, to watching that. I've, I've seen it advertised quite a few times, but I've never got around to watching oh, it. Oh, Dan. It, Dan, it if you want your scrubs fixed, scrubs in, scrubs in a police station, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's brilliant. I started watching it yesterday. I'm on. I've nearly finished season one. <laughs> I was going to say, I started watching it when it was originally came out about a year ago, and I it's watched 2013. it all in It's one, brilliant. In one, what, oh, it's one day. One day. It's really, genuinely, Dan. I was, it, it generally made me laugh, which hasn't happened for a while on TV. Um, so yeah, so I've got all that on my favourites list, but then I've got like Father Brown, uh, which is this like light and frothy, harmless, you know, vicar detective series that my parents have added to their what they think is their favourites. <laughs> so I, I find myself competing with my parents and trying to like, and I get these horrible like really kind of like conflicted recommendations from Netflix as to what I should be watching. Me, me and Ricardo once went on Sam's YouTube cha- um, app on his PlayStation. And deliberately watch stuff to throw off his recommendations. Lovely, because it because it amused us, and um, it's still broken to this day. I think. Still think if, I think he still think he finds My Little Pony trailers and all sorts in there. Yes, yeah, so Sam has yeah, a tendency to do that to other people as well. So I I end up I, <laughs> when Sam will stay with me, and then I will look at my Netflix, and there's lots of Danny Dyer stuff on there, which then ruins my recommendations for months on end. And when I went on, we, I think we watched movie forty three once because Sam wanted to watch it. Oh gosh, then, I remember that. Jesus that Christ! Horrible. And then you know, that again, I've only just recovered from that, and that was years ago. In fact, he's not here, so let's call him out on it because I watched more movie forty three with Sam as well, which means he's seen it twice because that movie fi- eighty six. <laughs> that film is the worst film ever. I don't know. Have you seen uh, Speed Two Cruise Control? That's pretty bad. That's that's what no, I can. You've to not be been to Nando's, but you've watched Speed Two and Sp- Movie Forty Three. Speed Two's magnus opus compared to Movie Forty Three. I don't know. I don't know. We've also <sighs> seen Run for Your Wife. We've, we've, we've got a good history of bad film watching. What's the what's the worst film know. you've ever seen? Oh well, they've all been at your house, Dan. Um, okay, okay. Well, outside outside, outside of Movie Forty Three, what's the worst no, Dan, film no, no, you, you've ever seen? The times when we stayed over at yours. Um, oh, Monster Bed, the bed that eats. Or is it just the bed that eats? Uh, it's a 1960s horror about people who sleep in a bed and it eats them, as the name suggests. It is honestly up there in terms of... It's not funny bad. It's just dull. At one point, a man lies in it. with puts, you know, He's like testing the bed and he puts his hands in it. And when he pulls them up, they're just skeleton hands. And he spends the rest of the film with skeleton hands. And no one ever questions, like, oh, look, you've got clearly clearly plastic skeleton hands. It is utter dross. Is it a bunk bed? <laughs> it's not. It's a four-poster bed that looks like... It, honestly, it looks like it's a proper gothic bed. And for whatever reason, it doesn't move. Everyone knows it eats people, but people keep on having sex in it and then fall, or falling asleep in it, and it eats Classic them. error. What about, yeah. you, what about you, Chris? What's the, what's the worst film you've ever seen? Oh, can you beat Monster Bed? Worse. Or can you beat Cruise... Speed 2 Cruise Control, the film called Speed, about a cruise liner that just goes <laughs> um, really, really slowly through the entire film, including at one point going really, really slowly into a city. A film so bad Keanu Reeves wouldn't go back for it. Oh, Aside, aside from movie 43, I, I had to take my brother to the cinema when we were kids, and he wanted to go and see the Pokemon movie, and I had to sit through that. That was pretty bad. You sound like you've still really tuned out of that. I can't remember a lot of it. I kind of tuned it out, I suppose. I once, wa- I once watched an Italian animated movie about the Titanic, which was basically the plot of the um, of the film and, you know, the real-life events, except for the iceberg was thrown into the path of the Titanic by a group of sharks who, had, who planned it as an insurance scheme 
and then at the end, the giant octopus that they tricked into throwing the iceberg at the ship saved the people from drowning, which I thought was incredibly disrespectful, and everyone lived happily ever after. That was that was pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. There is another terrible, oh, terrible yeah. film I've seen. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think we should stick on the terrible, terrible films too much longer. But there's a film called Doctor T and the Women, starring uh, Richard Gere and uh, many uh, famous uh, lady actresses, um, as opposed to male actresses. Lady actresses, um, lady actresses, such as Helen Hunt, uh, Laura Dern, Kate Hudson, I think. Um, and the story is uh, Richard Gere plays a gynecologist. Uh, who all the women love, and so he, they all want—they all want him to be their gynecologist. And it's all about kind of him, his relationships with women and whatnot. But and I don't mind spoiling this because it's a terrible, terrible film. The film ends with him kind of having a row with his on-off girlfriend. He drives out into the rain. Um, he gets caught by a hurricane. Uh, the car gets swept up in the air. Uh, he gets dropped in the middle of the desert outside of this hurricane. At which point he's outside of a little shack, which he walks into where a young lady is giving birth he then gives birth to the child looks at him and goes huh and the film ends it just it was one of those films that's where you a- kind of think did someone seriously just kind of take something and then just write the last few pages of this because it's so beyond comprehension compared to the rest of the have, entire film I highly recommend it it's great fun have either have either of you seen Tiptoes no yeah. it's the film where Gary Oldman and Matthew McConaughey play a pair of brothers. Obviously. But Gary Oldman and Matthew McConaughey are dwarves. Oh. Right? But Matthew McConaughey isn't short. He just calls himself a dwarf because his parents are dwarves. And he, he brings his girlfriend back to meet them. It is the most awkward film I've ever watched in my life. It Why is, do you guys put yourselves through these things? Because well, it was on a movie podcast that I like. <laughs> Which I recommend to everyone. How did this get made? It's incredible. All right, okay, okay. It's all. What, what about it then? Let's let let's let's save ourselves. Okay, before before we move on, let's just save ourselves and save our reputations. Let's face facts. Uh, what's what's your favorite film? What's the what's your favorite film and the best film you've ever seen? Because they may not be the same thing. Oh my word! Favorite film is The Thing. Oh, good guy, good call. Um, my favorite film is. Your oh no! Was the, thing. the best, my favorite film's the film. I think. And your best the film best is film I've, the best film I've ever seen. I'm trying to think of it. Ghostbusters. I would say Ghostbusters is a perfect movie. I know that's a really strange thing to say, but I think Ghostbusters One is a perfect movie and an, an, an example of how to make a comedy. I think the film that I've just, I, my always go-to film, my film that I just love, um, my the best film I've ever seen is probably The Usual Suspects. Just because it's just a masterclass in script writing, it's so meticulously constructed. It's Brian Singer's best film, um, and Chris McQuarrie as the writer is just superb. The film I always go to, and I always look at this in terms of the film I've watched the most, and that's maybe not not intentional, but just by serendipity, it's always when it's on, I've just stuck with it. If it's been on TV, I'll just watch it all the way through, and it's a bizarre one. But I remember seeing it at the cinema, and that's uh, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Oh, I love that film. Nineteen ninety nine, so seventeen years old. And I can just watch that any time. And I don't know what it is. There are a lot of better films out there, like The Fellowship of the Ring, for example, Aliens. But for some reason, I've watched that more than any... Like Little Miss Sunshine, that's another good one um, in my collection. Sleepy Hollow. What about you, Danny Boy? Um, uh, for me, uh, my favourite film... Movie 43. Uh, not Movie 43. <laughs> Danny Dyer. Um, Triangle. I often refer to it as the best film ever made because it is, in some ways, the best film ever made. Uh, it's, uh, hang on, hang on, Dan. I'm going to guess. I know what it is. I know what it is. Is it... A Few Good Men. Yeah, it's A Few Good Men, because it's the best one I've ever made. It's the <laughs> greatest one I've ever made. A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men, starring Tom Cruise, Chad Nicholson, Demi Moore. Uh, it's just phenomenal. I've watched that film more Kevin times Bacon. than any other film. I know most of the words from it. Um, it's just Fair. a truly, truly great, great film, with some of the best and in the right order. scenes and kind of interactions between characters and performances. It's just it's amazing. The best film I've ever seen. I think it's seen. quite nice. And it, and it, best film I've ever seen, because I'd say it's the best one I've ever made. I've seen a better film um, and it's up there with my favourite films is The Assassination of Jesse James by the Carol Robert Ford that's a beautiful Ooh. looking film it's I wouldn't th- say it's necessarily my go to film no it's a, it's a film it's a that ever since film. I saw it, saw it has stayed with me and every time I go back to it I'm yeah. just kind of taken aback by kind of the majesty of it, it and the gorgeousness of it and throughout I mean the, the performances throughout I mean 
I know Roger with that Deacon. film Casey Affleck always gets all the praise for me Brad Pitt I think is a fantastic in it I've, I've <laughs> never been as scared of a character as I am of him in that film who I feel can just kind of snap at any second um, just the, that's quite simmering under the surface and then at any moment he could just snap and kill you um, I think he's brilliant in it and it is that is that is definitely both one of my favourites and, and the best one I've ever seen and Nick Drake's score for that Jens do yourself a favour you go on YouTube afterwards and you type in uh, the assassination of Jesse James music and uh, a track called A Song for Bob it's the last track on the album it's absolutely stunning absolutely stunning oh lovely uh, yeah so like um, no that's a good film actually that was one of those films that somebody bought for me you know when you've got and you've probably been in that situation where you there's a film you love so much you, you've met a person you cannot believe they've not seen it so you actually end up buying it for them like it's cheap or something it was bought for me by a housemate yeah. um, she, 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 she just said that I, I'd really like it and she bought it for me and that's one of the reasons I've kept it actually I got a new board game the other day lads what's your new board game? It's called Burgle Brothers. Okay, before you tell us what it happens, can we guess what you have to do in it? You can guess what you do, even though the name pretty much creates itself. You play as two bandits, much like Home Alone, and you have to break into a house using cards that you get given, and you have to think of an inventive way to get into the house. Okay. That's my random guess. What a random guess. A random stab in the dark. I'm going to say it's a two-player game. Uh, whereby uh, through a combination of dice rolls and uh, card powers um, you navigate a board in order to steal the most things from a house interesting interesting guys I like the idea that you've both plumped for the idea of the house like a quite domestic thing but actually what you are it's a one to four player game and uh, you are an elite team of thieves and you're basically breaking into a building and you've got to work your way through three floors find the safe, crack it before any of the guards on each of the floors catches you and you've each got specialist skills and it's quite cool, you know Forbidden Desert like, remember when we played that Yeah. you've got that grid of tiles um, like a f- it was like, f- it was like um, a grid of like 5 by 5 tiles which you don't know what's underneath them you have to flip them over well you've got three sets of those each one's a floor, and as you're and and you've got this. Each floor's got a little guard on it, and you flip over a car, which tells you where they're going to head towards next. Oh. So you know where they're going, and you, you have to try and like in a Metal Gear Solid fashion try and avoid them. Oh. And you that sounds, to that get, sounds work together as like team. it was made for you. Oh, it's brilliant! Honestly, I love it. Have you have you played it yet, Chris? I played it with my parents. Um, yeah, I think they enjoyed it. I think it's one of those games. Like so I was talking to Sam about this the other day. He said it's one of those games where you really need to, and I think this is where you in particular, Tom, would come into this. You really need to live it. Yeah. You have to be the, you know, the Ocean's Eleven kind of thing. You really have to kind of live your role. So my dad was the acrobat, which meant he could sneak past the guard. My mum was the safe cracker, um, and I was the hacker, so I could hack into the computer systems. Do you do you um, play games with your parents a lot? Those kind of games. Whenever I go down there, because I was I was down there. Um, because I'm on the board for a theatre company down there and when we have board meetings and board away days I go down there and I go and stay with my parents so yeah they're massively into them it's actually because of them that I've kind of gotten into them and they don't just play like Monopoly they play the big titles they've got you know they've got things like Ticket to Ride such as Catan and they play with their mates as well and uh yeah, though we we kind of we all get together and just game constantly, basically. Six, well, I remember all the Christmas was. We used to play like board games when I was little, but those board games were usually trivia based. So it would have been um, Game of Life or well, that's not trivia based, but Game of Life or um, <laughs> we had one called just Game of Knowledge. I don't know if you remember that. It was called Game of Knowledge, and it was set around the solar system. So you had to. There's a huge spiral on the board, and you each split up into all the different planets and each planet was a different topic and you have to answer all these questions and in the same way as Trivial Pursuit or something you had to pick up like a counter from each of the planets to get to the end um, but yeah we always used to play just we'd play Monopoly but we'd just play those kind of games and I think kind of when when we've been kind of with, with my wife's family we've played a lot more trivia stuff and that's kind of been where we've kind of edged towards it's only really been with friends that I've kind of in, in very recent times in the last year or so that I've started to kind of try out new different types of games like you kind of your more narrative driven games whether that's a, a board game or something like Settlers Catan or um, stuff like Pandemic I played with you guys um, or even stuff like uh, Resistance and stuff like that which is a really really fun game um, th- I've only ever played those with friends so it's interesting to see you kind of from a family dynamic and with your with your mum and dad play those kind of games 
Yeah, my my brother and my sister as well. Like, I mean, my sister and her boyfriend, they've been like playing like Carcassonne together, like online. Um, and my brother and his girlfriend, they play board games as well. It's this interesting kind of like, um, there's been this really interesting renaissance in board gaming. Like, I've become quite obsessed by it. Like, when I was living in Chester, there was like, I, I bought so many games from this local dealer. There's this great board game shop in Chester, tabletop games, absolutely amazing. And like, um, I've just kind of become quite addicted to it. I've, I'm almost, I'm actually going to take the resistance into one of my drama workshops I run with students because there's elements of deception there and role playing that I think would be really useful for them and they'll be able to read each other's kind of body language and things like that and I think they'd really enjoy that because they, they're playing those sorts of things as well they're not just playing like Cards Against Humanity they're playing titles such as these that demographic which I think is really interesting well, um, I think it's, it's funny you mentioned Cards Against Humanity because I think, I think we've all played it I um, mean I'm not sure how much you guys would, would play it now I mean I, I, I found out that Cards Against Humanity years ago and I, I kind of got a copy before it was even available over, over in kind of the UK so I got it yeah kind of the first person I played it with was you Dan I'd like to introduce it to my friends I think I, th- I think with Cards Against Humanity the problem I have with it right now is that when we played it Chris on New Year's Day yep. uh, still hung over still hung over yeah we'd um, I've played it with so many different people now with so many so you know there are only so many cards in that pile and yeah. I feel like I've heard all the jokes and it doesn't all really the combinations. Sh- yeah, it doesn't shock me anymore. And I think that um, with, with that with that game, it is it is about kind of the shock value of seeing a card. So once you've seen it, you know it's there. You're not as shocked. Um, the game I think I've played with both of you guys. I've played a uh, Super Fight with you both. Yeah, that's brilliant. I really like that game. Super Fight is mm-hmm. Super so Fight is a game very very similar to um, uh, Cards Against Humanity in terms of the design. It's very much it's black and white cards. And it's the idea of the game is you create through the cards you uh, you create a superhero uh, or a supervillain, and then the game rather than just putting the cards down and picking the funniest, um, once you've created your superhero, you have to then kind of argue why your superhero is the best and defend all of their points. But obviously, the the superhero doesn't just have powers like flight and super strength. They might have I don't know an army of tiny mice as their superpower uh, but so you'd have to defend that and so what's good about that is the fact of it's not the card that's funny it's your arguments that are funny and so when you get a good group of people who are quite imaginative and quite it's not necessarily about improvisation but kind of just knowing what kind of willing to go with it and come up with fun ideas it can be really really funny especially when you get in and get back and forth between people arguing over why their superhero is much better than the other one and it can be really really good fun and I think that's that's very much something that I've found is a, is a much superior game to Cards Against Humanity because it's it's that can be different every time. The same card in Chris's hands would work differently to in, in being in my hands. We would have come up with a completely different argument about it, and so that's that's something that I always kind of recommend to people who've played Cards Against Humanity stuff like that because it's it's very very similar, but it's it's really really good fun. I think it's a, I think it's an interesting point. Yeah, I'd really do, I'd enjoy I enjoyed the superhero game. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think there's. I think there isn't that an added level of depth to it. Um, game I'm going to be buying next is um, one our mutual friend Dan Duncan has been working on at Osprey, and that's some um, Odin's Ravens. Oh yes, I've I've heard um, of that. Yeah, it looks beautiful. And I, I'm really into the kind of like two player games. I really like two player games. That game you bought me for my birthday, Dan. Oh yes, um, uh, Lord of the Rings Confrontation. Play. That's re- I'm honestly like I played that with my dad the other day. Like um, honestly, my brother loves it. It's the one game we kind of all play when we go mm-hmm. together. So, uh, and Sam's played every time Sam comes around. We always get that out because there's something. It, it's like chess crossed with the resistance. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm looking forward to playing it next time I see you. It's really good, Dan. Honestly, I really enjoyed that. Um, but Odin's Ravens has that similar vibe. It's just the two of you. You can easily just have a pint while playing it. You can almost take it at the pub. Yeah. Like I, I've started carrying like love letter with me in my bag. Is like um, and other kind of small micro games like Flux. When I was in Brazil over the summer with these two students, like in our evenings when there was nothing else to do, we just played like Love Letter and Flux, and they loved it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a small thing, but it had packed so much of a punch having it in your back. It's great. With Flux, have you ever hit an unwinnable combination? <laughs> <coughs> Not yet. No, I haven't played it for a while though. We kind of fallen out of favour of it, really. Me, me, Sam, Lisa, and Ricardo hit. I'm pretty confident we were playing for about an hour with no one even coming close to winning. It was one card pick up, empty your hand at the end of the round, play everything, or something stupid like that. That's kind of the antithesis of Flux, isn't it, really, the title? Exactly. It was, it was a nightmare round. It really was. 
Why do you think? Why do you think it is? I think I think Settlers of Catan really kicks it off because that was so popular. Why do you think it is that they are there is such as Chris, as you mentioned, like a renaissance with this kind of board game genre? What is it that's making th- these things so popular now? Because I think a couple of years ago, I would have never even thought about playing those these kind of board games stuff that wasn't a board. I would never, if you were to mention a board game, I wouldn't even consider something that wasn't trivia based. Why do you think it is yeah. that they've had such a, a an, imp- an impact in recent years? I think it's that kind of it's that kind of tactility. You can see the whole board more or less. Um, there's a sense of infinite possibility, and it's something that you can understand that isn't like downloaded and sent to this mystery kind of piece of plastic and electronics in front of you. Everything that's everything you're going to play is in the box, and there's something quite um, empowering about having that. I suppose, for want of a better word. And it's also, there's a lovely handmade quality to gaming. and It fosters um, more of um, a couch cooperative kind of quality than we're having in games at the moment. I mean, the last co-op, couch co-op game I played was with Sam, and that's Chariot. Most of my multiplayer games now are entirely online, where I'm in a completely different room to the other people I'm playing mm-hmm. with. And, and board gaming kind of, it, it fills that need for me to have another, you know, to, to actually have other people in the room, social interaction, kind of playing with them. I, com- I completely agree with Chris. This weekend, I had a friend come over. We were like, oh, we'll buy a local multiplayer for the PlayStation. And our choices were the Lego games, essentially, which aren't bad games, but weren't what we were looking no. for. So we just ended up playing, we just ended up playing Magic, um, which I know isn't to your taste, Dan, but, you know, a nice two-player game. Uh, you know, we, 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 we thought it was fun. Um, and I just think it's, I think it's disappointing so much now that you know AAA games just don't have that local multiplayer I remember a time when Battlefront 2 came out with, on I did it on the original Xbox like me and four of my mates would just sit and play that on our tiny little quarter of the screen and you know it was the best thing ever because yeah. you sat in a room with people you've got that interaction and you just don't get that anymore you, you know you well, just don't I remember, I remember being at uni and having kind of um, in my first year, we I was staying in kind of halls where there was about twenty people on one floor. So it was like on our side of the halls, like ten different people. So Pembrin, absolutely. Um, so incidentally, Dan's accommodation was modelled on a Swedish prison. Absolutely, yeah, oh. it, was, it was great. It was great. I didn't even have carpet. It was brilliant. Um, but what we used to do is everyone would open doors and like leave their doors open, so we'd all just kind of be wandering about. And people would like I think get like two Xboxes. Um, two TVs, get them into kind of one of the bedrooms, kind of hook everything up, and then we'd have like an eight-player local co-op match of Halo, and it was just amazing, and it, it was just fantastic. And those are some of the best kind of real like multiplayer experience I've had because it is you're sitting there in a tiny little room packed with people, and you're looking at a tiny little corner of a screen as well. It, it was those kind of things. You just, as you say, you don't get there anymore. I think that's that's partly due to the games. I think some of the games. I think Halo, as far as I'm aware, still does that because it was that was such a big thing of Halo. I think they still have got that local multiplayer aspect. But I think with the advent of online multiplayer, and I think as gamers get older and the kind of demographic of gamers gets older, people can't just go around to their friend's house like they could when they were younger. So it is a case of, for example, me and you, Chris, we live miles and miles apart. So the only t- the only way we can play games together is online. There's no chance, really, for us to be playing local multiplayers. No, I agree. I mean, like, remember that moment, Dan, when we were around at yours? And it was great. We were playing FIFA, a game I don't usually play by choice, but I really enjoy playing it when you're in that couch co-op mode. Yeah. You know, help ourselves to, like, a few cans in your fridge. I mean, with your permission. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was lovely, the four of us just drinking and playing FIFA together. Yeah, FIFA's think, one of the few games quite- that has maintained it, I think. Yeah. I think what I find quite interesting about that is as well, and it's really weird when you think about it, that online multiplayer is supposed to be this make new friends, you know, meet new people, but people don't. Like, when they play online games, they play with the people they know because that online experience is toxic in, at times and can be quite yeah. upsetting. I remember when, uh, back in the mid-2000s, when I was massively into World of Warcraft, like, I had four mates and we just played together all the time. And then a couple of years ago, I went. I thought, oh, right, I've got. I'll go back to World of Warcraft to see how the the environment's changed. Really enjoyed all the changes in gameplay. Got to the point in the game where you need to team up with other people, and they've made it super easy to meet 
new people, you know, through the player, uh, the party finding system. I was really, and I was like, oh my god, this is so much better than when I played it. Uh, I was in my first dungeon with someone, and we died, and I was the healer, and uh, I got a private message from someone saying, I am going to stab you. <laughs> and I was just like... Was that was in, that in Warcraft? Yeah, that was in World of Warcraft, and I was okay. just like, Not a oh, well, message. well, I'm paying £15 a month or whatever it is for the privilege of playing this game this isn't the environment I want to play in and I just walked away from it then and there like I, you know I don't want to I don't want to interact with this world you and know, that, that's I'll, the, I'll that's the problem with the, the anonymity of kind of online gaming and internet gaming that there is no face it is just a, a message and because of mm. that people feel like they can say whatever they want regardless of how disgusting it is they, they feel they can do that and that's that is a problem I think with, with certain generations and certain games that attract those and I think something like Warcraft which has such a, a huge following you have plenty of gamers who are I'm sure I mean I don't play Warcraft but I'm sure they are perfectly fun to play with very very respectful but with a with a with a, a mass of gamers that, that large you're going to get quite a lot of people who don't like losing and will get immediately offensive if they do lose and so, I mean, certain people work yeah. differently for certain games. I mean, even even our mellow-minded Pete uh, of this parish, he has said before, when he plays Street Fighter, he has to stop himself playing it because he doesn't like who he becomes when he plays it. Yeah. And he he's freely admitted this, that when he plays Street Fighter, if he loses, he will say horrible things. And he's, he has purposely stopped playing and sold the game because of the fact that when he plays it, something happens and he just doesn't like who he becomes. And it's a really weird thing that these this kind of competitive nature of certain games can can do that to you. Really? Yeah, even even when he gets like the only title sequence of the game, he's already you know <laughs> effing and jeffing. Um, I mean, but, but but on the other side of that, there is. I mean, I've had some great multiplayer experiences. Like, I mean, I'm thinking about Journey. That was extraordinary. I was about. I was just about to ask Chris: Is it Journey where the other player couldn't talk to you? Yeah, but also then um, me and Sam a while ago we did an experiment where we managed to, by fluke, we managed to both get onto the exact same server in Journey, so we could actually walk together and talk to each other on Skype. And we wanted to kind of just uh, gauge, you know, what the difference would be, other than just being able to hear each other, and kind of would that um, make the journey more significant if we could actually talk to each other as we were doing it? Did you not? Uh, again, though, it goes to our point that. You you tailored the online experience. Oh, of course, and I do people. it all the time. Like I mean, um, Dan, I've been playing Grand Theft Auto Five um, with Pete last week. Was it last week where we we stole the airplane? Yeah. And there was that beautiful moment where it went off without a hitch. Tom, we got onto the plane. We're about ninety nine percent of the way through the mission. Dan's piloting this this incredible monstrosity. <laughs> we go to land. Pete says, "Dan, have you lowered the undercarriage?" What? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Wasted. Um, so yeah, oh, Tom, you'll have to join us because you've got GTA Five. I actually don't have it on my PlayStation Four. <sighs> no, but I am now working, so I now can I can now afford games. Honestly, Tom, we're, we're waiting until we get we, we've got to get a crew together, haven't we? That's what we're currently working on. We do Dan. indeed. We need to do it online, though, don't we? I think. Do so you have to do get a crew online? You have to join the like the social club or something like that. We'll figure it out. Rockstar. I, I've got I've got big plans. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely loving that moment, like, and I don't like 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 FIFA. I'm not a massive GTA fan. I don't like the world. I don't like the characters generally. I don't like the the kind of like the culture of GTA. But I love the idea of being having a giant city in which you know me and Dan played golf the other day. Yeah, <laughs> it was lovely. And I think I I, I was <laughs> kind of the first of us to get it. And the first thing I said once I played something online to you guys is for just the one thing is it's such a fantastic playground just to wander about in especially if you usually when we yeah. play we, we play in like a closed session so you don't have kind of uh, like kind of random other online players who some of them will just go about their business but others just want to kind of shoot everyone and that's not really in- interesting for us so we'll just have a, like, in, like a, a private session and it's great fun and it's just you- kind of we just it, the problem is trying to figure out what to do because there's so much to do you, it's sometimes a struggle that's why we play golf that's quite interesting though because it's almost like a sandbox game type where they've been like you work out what to do. So yeah. I, was, I was about to ask, do you ever fight each other or hunt each other? Or uh, We did that for a brief period once. Like, we haven't yet, I think. You have these lapses into silliness, but like we were just so hyped about trying to do the missions and things. Oh, okay. And particularly with me being a newbie, like my level is pretty low compared to the other two. So I, they kind of I, took I, me I can their see us moving into that at some point and trying that at some point. Maybe when there's more of us and say just two of us in the match, because if it's just two of us in the match, it kind of it, it, a death match doesn't really work. If there's a bigger group, no. 
if there's a bigger group then I think yeah it, that that might be more fun because obviously you, you can you're having to worry about more than just the one dot on your screen and also the fact that Pete's a bit of an albatross when we get on missions yeah. is Pete wait so Pete was a Pete Pete, Pete worked as a video games journalist Pete was paid to pl- pl- play video games is Pete not good at video games oh he's good at video games he just he goes rogue yeah oh, okay. uh, so for example we have a plan me and Dan will be conferring we'll have a plan we'll be talking about flanking and we'll look up and there's Pete he's gone he's running straight at him armed with nothing but basically a, sp- a spoon essentially excellent running into the battle and we're, and we we're, we're screaming him. Him. Pete come back and he's like it's fine it's fine uh, I'm just gonna go say hello uh See what's going on. Just gonna, just gonna, just gonna, just see, ask them, ask them the time. Just see what the time is. And then, <laughs> and then there'll be other ones like so. There was one where we had to steal the plane, the one that I originally broke. Um, we tried it again. We stole the plane again. This time, Pete was piloting. Uh, within three seconds of taking off, all I heard Pete goes barrel roll and barreled into the sea. And then <laughs> cried a little bit. And we were like, Pete, we've just spent twenty-five minutes stealing this and then you just you just dove into the sea so yeah he can be he can be a tricky person to play with uh, he needs to be kept on a short leash um, yep if possible definitely even in journey even even in journey uh, and minecraft as well where we, we, we'd have regular weekly minecraft kind of games which are just brilliant fun we need to go back to that yeah, yeah we haven't done it for a while so wanna, yeah we should do that again soon and like um, yeah and and it's just that sense of just just having permission to play. I'm 30 years old, and having that permission to play. I don't like the expression guilty pleasure. I don't like it at all. And, and just having that kind of permission to play is lovely. It's, it's, it really it's is lovely. Permission to play, and then the scale in which you can play in. Because that's the wonderful things about kind yeah. of modern gaming. That the, the scale of them is so huge. And that's and when you when you look at something like Minecraft, which you create yourself, or kind of GTA Online, where you've got this world to play in. But then all the narrative built stuff like Fallout or The Witcher and stuff like that. This these worlds are so huge that you can you can just spend hours and hours, not even really following the narrative or following the main story. You just just playing golf as we, as we did. That meant nothing, and yet we had a great time. We played nine holes, and you beat me, which I'm not happy about. <laughs> well, I do want to make it sounds better coming from you, Dan. Um, no, so yeah, that was pretty good. And I'm looking forward to doing more of that. I'd like us all to be able to do some like play gaming. I'm going to try and make time for that. I'd love to do that. Um, I'm looking um, stuff that's coming up on the horizon. I'm going to finish Brooklyn Nine Nine very soon because I'm just addicted to it. Um, I'm watching the rest of season two of The Flash. That's restarted. I'm enjoying that. Uh, Asian Carter as well. Enjoying that. And the new CW's Legends of Tomorrow. Has that begun? Yeah. Is it good? Uh, yeah, actually. It's better than I thought it would be. You think, okay, they've basically taken all the DC characters that couldn't have their own series and we put them all together in one series. But they explain why they've done that. Oh, really? Which is really quite cool. Oh. And it's got the same heart as The Flash has. Right, that's good. So I'm okay with that because I absolutely adore The Flash. Um, so yeah, then that's, that's, that's looking good. Agent Carter as well. I've got a soft spot for that. Um, and uh, game-wise... Firewatch. I've been going on about it for ages. I, I am interested in Firewatch. Firewatch. I yeah, am as well. That's, that's, I'm interested because I don't know anything about it. I think that's why I'm interested. No, same. It, 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 it's it's that first-person exploration, but it, it's kind of a bit like everybody's gone to the rapture. It's going to have the same degree of beauty, I think, attached mm. to it, but less. It's a very unique kind of it's melancholy, very kind of more than mystery. Definite art style. <laughs> Well, you know Ollie Moss, who does those really cool film posters? Mm-hmm. He's on Empire quite a bit. Like, Empire, you know, there's really cool posters. He's done the artwork for the, for the game. Okay. Ah. So that's why it's got that really kind of, really quite clean, crisp kind of cell-shaded quality. I like, Chris, that you're looking forward to you're looking, for, uh, looking forward to it because you've described it as a less melancholic, uh, everyone's gone to the rapture while... Oh, but I love it. Everybody's got... Tom, do you know what? Since you came around to mine, you and Ricardo, New Year's Day, this is well, how we brought in the new year. Um, my brother and his girlfriend went off into town shopping. Me... Percival and Ricardo stayed in and just pretty much nearly completed everybody's gone to the rapture. <laughs> I was just addicted to it. Absolutely. I've not carried on with it, Tom. I'm waiting for you and Ricardo to come round. So we'll have to come off. round and finish it because yeah. honestly, that, that game was incredible. But I was oh. just going to say that you described it as a less melancholic, everyone's gone to the rapture. I'm going to describe Firewatch as a less frantic until dawn. You see, I've not. I've, uh, Ricardo's going to let me until dawn. Yeah. Um, you, you have I, to play that. I know. And I'd recommend as well, if you could. Getting as many people round as possible to watch you play it. 
because I just think the more people who watch you play it, because it's like a movie, it's such an interesting experience. Well, I, I was thinking about I was thinking about Dan with this because Dan, you said that one of the few games that your other half, your significant other, has, was interested in you watching you play was when you played Heavy Rain because of that element of the choice factor. Yeah, and she had the same feeling. I'm just wondering her. if I'm just wondering if Until Dawn would be a good one for you in that capacity. Possibly. I mean, Until Dawn is something I'm interested in, but actually, again, I don't know that much about it because I've not read that much into it. I know kind of some of the aspects about it but I don't know that much into Dan, it all it says Dan don't read anything about it it's trust me on this it's a great game it's the only game I've platinumed on my Playstation blimey um, I absolutely loved it was that your uh, game of the year Tom last year easily yeah uh, it Dan, made what, me... Dan, what was your game of the year oh crikey uh, there we go. Well, you going about what's the best film I've seen ever? I'm only asking you to name your favourite game of game of the last 365 days. Um, Premiership Manager 2015. Well, you know, to be fair, <laughs> Football Manager 2015 was pretty good. Um, actually, I, the issue I have is I don't know. Only for the fact of I don't know which games that I played came out last year because I don't. Oh, don't worry about that, Dan. Just the games you played last year. I'm not worried about it in terms of because I don't play games the year they come out because I'm a tight ass and I, all get, I get every game second hand or it's, I borrow it. Uh, then I'd probably say probably Rocket League. Okay, cool. Rocket League. I've not played that or, yet. Or GTA Five, but I'd probably say Rocket League for kind of the multiplayer aspects and the fun I've had with it. Uh, I'd probably say Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, hands down. I'm. Um, beautiful beautiful game I'm trying to work out if I played Dishonored last year as well I don't think I did it may have been the year before um, I enjoyed Dishonored as well really enjoyed that everybody's mm. gone to the rapture yeah very much looking forward to Firewatch then and that's it really in terms of upcoming stuff that's the kind of next thing I'm going to yeah in terms of what I'm looking to purchase or engage with I think that's plenty enough really for me at Dan how about yourself what have you got to look forward to in the coming month what's around the corner for Danny Frost uh, I don't know Daniel what's your what's your middle name Dan uh, Daniel Daniel Dan Daniel Frost Daniel Raymond Joshua Frost Raymond Joshua although I don't I don't technically know if Joshua D I should still R use that was a confirmation J name it's, it was in my name but it's not I wouldn't sign it on a document necessarily What's a confirmation? What's a confirmation? It's thing? a religious thing. Uh, oh, I went to a Roman Catholic primary school, so you have uh, there's a few kind of things you do. You do Holy Communion and you do confirmation. It's kind of a, a confirmation is kind of communion 2.0, basically. Um, <laughs> the beta. Yeah. So so yeah, the communion is beta. Uh, after a couple of years, you're like, you know, yeah, we're good to go. Let's move into alpha. Uh, confirm, confirmation, uh, and you get a, you, you haven't had the name at the time and blah blah blah. Cool. But that's Raymond. What Tom, what's your middle name? William. Oh, is that why you T R T W Percival? Yeah. Uh, it all finally makes sense. Now it makes sense. The planets have aligned. Okay, sorry Dan, I was sidetracking. What are you looking forward to? What's coming up for you? What's on the horizon for Daniel Frost? Uh, Other than your upcoming Well you're you're thirty soon, aren't I you? I am I'm fairly soon. It's 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 Welcome to Le you're nearly at level thirty yes, with me and T. It's speedily coming Happy up, birthday coming, up to the, Dan. Uh, coming up the track. Um, it gets better, Dan. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't know what I've got, got. I don't because I don't buy anything when it comes. Out. Actually, no. I might get. I'll get um, Uncharted Four when that comes out. Yeah, that's a good shout. Actually, I've actually got the HD collection, and I've just completed the first one again. Which, by the way, on I played it really on a really tiny TV. On a relatively big TV, it's so much easier to complete because you're guaranteed headshots pretty much every time. Because <laughs> There's less effort for your your kind of controller to move around the room. You know, you can't just point it a little bit; it shoots to the top of the screen. Now it's that sensitivity's there, but now you've got much more of a canvas to play with. So it's it's really kind of I'm much more um, finesse with it. So that's really good fun. So yeah, that that's I, I think I'm gonna probably get, I've, even though I've played all the Uncharted, I'm probably gonna get the HD collection as well. So I think I, I oh, Dan, honestly, you won't regret it. Honestly, it's really good. Those are some of my favourite games. I got it with my PS. I'm tempted to get that. I'm also tempted to get the um, remastered Last of Us because that's the best. That's my favourite game. Do you know what? I've been tempted by that, but that was such a tense experience. Honestly, you you want a stiff drink after your first like five minutes yeah. of playing it, and it, you play it in like five minute bursts because yeah. <laughs> it's so unbelievably tense. I always got annoyed because when I first played when I first played the Last of Us, I wanted to kind of go through and be like, you know what? I'm going to take this really slowly and really stealthy. I'm going to try and play it as if. I, I just I want to see how far I can go without dying as if it's in the real world type thing and basically I got really annoyed because not far into the game there's basically a kill room 
which is the, the idea of that room I think is just to teach you how to deal with different types of enemies but because there's so many different types in the room you're basically going to die about 20 times before you actually pass that it that big blob thing yeah and oh, it was really annoying because I was like oh I was doing so well and then like doing so well and just picking things off from a distance all that stuff and then you're just dropped into a room that you can't escape from and yeah straight away you're just dead but I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to get that because it, I love that game so much that even though I played it, I think it, I, it deserves a second playthrough because it was so good. It is the assassination of Jesse James of games. Indeed, it is. <laughs> it indeed it is. It is the best game I've ever played. Wow. Although I still need to get Phantom Pain. I still haven't played that. Oh, do you know what? I've forgotten about that. Oh my word! What am I talking about? Firewatch and Uncharted Four for? I've still got to finish GTA Five and then move on to the Phantom Pain, which I do have on a shelf. A light and frothy title. So I've got to play um, Grand Zeroes first. Yeah, I've got. Pete lent me his copy of Grand Zeroes, so I don't know how I could lend it to you. I've got. I've got. I've got Grand um, Zeroes. That was on uh, PlayStation oh, Plus okay. recently. That won't take you long. That won't take you long at all. Grand Zeroes. But don't have to play. Doesn't Peace Walker lead into that? Mm, not really. I'm going to do what Sam did because I bought the for the PlayStation Three. I bought the uh, the Metal Gear Solid HD collection, and I started playing Peace Walker. I didn't like it. It clearly felt like a game that wasn't designed for console. Yeah. It was designed for a handheld thing. Mm. So what I'm going to do is what Sam did and just watch all the cutscenes on YouTube because people just stitch them together in one giant three and a half hour film, whatever long it is. Yeah. So I'll probably do that. I don't think you need to know Peace Walker. Okay. Well, um, then maybe I may take a take a gander. That one. Yeah. Listen to Jack Bauer, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> this month I learned to tie a bow tie. Oh, oh congratulations! I, I went to I went to an event where I had to wear a bow tie. So obviously, usually you just you just get a clip on. I was like, you know what? No, I want to I want to get a proper bow tie and learn to tie it myself. And I I taught myself and I learned just so at the end of the night you can undo it and it can just hang down like the cool guys do in the Rat Pack films. Very suave. Yeah. <laughs> well done. I look pretty good. So that that that's right. that's what I've accomplished so far this year. I'm off to a good I'm off to a good, to a good one. Chris, I meant to tell you by the way. I watched the Danish girl the other the other day. Oh, is it any good? Um, it's all right. Uh, it's worth a watch, definitely. Um, but I must say, when I was watching it, I was like, "Who does Eddie Redmayne remind me of?" Pre transgender. <laughs> uh, I was like, "It's Chris." Oh my word! What a compliment. Yeah, it's just, I think he looks absolutely gorgeous. As that, a Danish girl. That, it, it, it was the ma- you know that delicate particular manner that I, that. It's just like it's Chris. It I'm really secure. Is. I'm secure. <laughs> um, it's funny. I I really like Eddie Redmayne. Like I'm, I've, I saw. What did I see him in? I was when I was on the flight to Brazil. Um, we had on the Theory of Everything. Yeah, that's an extraordinary performance. That's an extraordinary performance. It's very good. That he's um, he's Oscar-winning performance in yeah Theory of Everything is quite astounding. Yeah, you, you know his th- his performance is less good in. Jupiter Ascending. I was about to say Jupiter Ascending. That didn't weren't people talking yeah. about they should take the Oscar off him because he was in Jupiter Ascending. He got a, I think he got a, a Razzie Award for it, or he was nominated for a Razzie. He was definitely award for nominated, it. whether he won or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have that sometimes. Like Sandra Bullock was nominated for a Razzie and an Oscar for Gravity the same year, wasn't well, she? She went and collected so was, her Razzie, um, award, didn't she? I think yeah, she's she one did, of the, yeah, the, she the, the only people year. to actually collect it. So was Halle Berry as well, nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie, and again. Oh, was that? W- that was. I, I think that would have been for Monster and. It Catwoman. was Catwoman was definitely the Razzie because. Um, no, it was, uh, um, Monsters Ball. No, Monst- Monsters Ball. Yeah. Yeah, Monster Monsters was Charlie Theron. Charlie Theron got an Oscar for her performance, I think, didn't she? Yeah, I think she. Yeah, she won the Oscar. I think. Um, I'm really gutted because. I agree. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Mark Kermode and I am in complete agreement with him that the best film of last year was Inside Out. That was my favourite film of last year. That was a great film. I adored that film. Yeah, but it was never going to win. It was never. But why? Gonna... But why was it? No, never no, gonna no win? because the Academy is run by people who've been doing this for years, and they just not that it matters. It's just a silly bit of brass. Exactly. Um, but I suppose it's the principle of the matter, really. It, um, it, it's just, it's just, it's just politics, isn't it? And you know, it's, it's sad, but the way it is, which I know sounds awful considering the wider implications of that. Unfortunately, and I think there is always going to be a childish aspect to animation that 
prevents even great films like Inside Out winning those awards. I think if an animated film is going to win, it's going to have to be an adult animated film. Um, I think this is the film that came out. I'm not sure. Well, mind you, mind you, didn't student. I mean, that was for an animated feature. Studio Ghibli, Spirited Away, won the Oscar, didn't it, for best animated film? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure. I'm sure Inside Out will. Did, was it nominated for best in, uh, for best animated? Oh yeah, it's been nominated know, for best actually. animated. I think, I I'm just talking about best film because obviously an animated film is going to win in best animated. The how, animated feature. How are you all doing on the Oscar? film list do you, tr- do you try and watch all the best picture films uh, I used to be like that but I've stopped I think it's it's Netflix again like you know I, I, I'm going to the cinema less and less I went to see Star Wars just because well it's Star Wars and uh, it's a world event and you've got to somehow feel like you're part of that um, and before then it was probably Mad Max yeah it probably would have been actually Mad Max I like to really see many films. I like to try and kind of watch the Oscar kind of nominees if I can, only for the fact that I don't I don't go to the cinema that often, so I don't get to see all those films. So obviously, when it comes down to DVDs, there's such a wealth of films you can watch. Do you think you know what? Let me focus on ones that I know are going to be good. So if I look at what the got nominated for an Oscar, I know I'm at least going to be in relatively good territory there. I'm not going to be something that's going to be really really crap. So I can focus on those. Yeah, I'm not going to like them all. And then you're tricked into watching, but. And then you tricked into watching Birdman because it. I was going to mention Birdman. I quite Oscar. like Birdman for the first two. I've not two watched thirds. that. Not a fan. I enjoyed it for the first two thirds. I thought it was really interesting. He was doing some really interesting stuff, and then there is a certain point that I won't say because Chris hasn't seen it, and it does. It's not a giveaway point, but it's there's a certain point that I could point to and say that's where it changed. Um, that's where I stopped liking this. <laughs> was it after the opening titles? Yeah, it was when it. <laughs> I think I know the moment you're talking about, Dan. Um... They're, they're, yeah, I just didn't do anything for. I see. I, I did actually like it up, up until a certain point. I thought it was really interesting. He was doing really stuff. Obviously, and there's something up. It's an issue I have with this. I've spoken to some of this for the the director Gonzalo uh, Inarritu. Um, he's a very good director. I just wish he'd stop trying to use gimmicks. Birdman, the gimmick mm-hmm. of it's it's created with the view to to make it look like it's all done in one just one long shot, and obviously it's not. But it's made to look as though it is. And with The Revenant, his new film, it's all done using natural light. And I just don't think he needs these gimmicks. I don't I don't understand why he's using them. He's a very, very good director. He's a very extremely kind of gifted visual director. You don't need these gimmicks. It's, it just kind of annoys me. It's nothing else than just a bit well, annoying. I mean, one person's gimmick is another person's style. I mean, I think he's just trying to put like, a sense of oh. verisimilitude on it all. Well, people were saying, weren't they, about Birdman? Oh, well, it's just like a stage play. It's one continuous, you know, it's the one continuous shot. It's the opening of Goodfellas. There's like, loads of films like that. And it's just like, uh, the best film of last year by far was, and I can't believe I've forgotten the name of it. Oh God, I can I can remember the name of the other song, the, the drummer, Whiplash. jazz drummer, Whiplash, Whiplash, Whiplash. That was a good easily film. Easily the that best film. The closing of last to that year. film, the last like ten minutes is just incredible. Agreed. And you, you find your, t- your your feet tapping as you're watching it, just the rhythm. I I went to Very see the cin- I went to the cinema to see Whiplash, and uh, I, me and my wife, we were going to go and see something else, I think, but I couldn't get tickets. So I said to, I said to us, I said, tell you what, we're going to go to the cinema, but I'm just, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to see. Okay, I'm going to get tickets, I'm going to pick something. And we're just going to go there. Okay, you have to trust me. So after a while, she's because she's always very she doesn't she's always very particular about what film she goes to the cinema to see. She likes going to the cinema, but she wants only wants to go and see certain things. So eventually, she agreed, and we were nearly late for the film. So literally, we sat down as as the film was just starting. So the first thing that ha- comes up on the screen is the word whiplash, and that's that was the first time she knew this film. And she would never have gone to see the film. She said that afterwards, she says, "I would have never have gone to see that film. I don't want to go to the cinema and watch a film about drumming." However, it was brilliant. And it was just, I, I, yeah, I absolutely love that film as well. It's just kind of, from st- it was just, I think for J.K. Simmons, I think he's just, his character's so oh, hideous. Oh, he deserved that Oscar. He's so hideous. That was Staying In with Tom Percival, Daniel Frost and Chris Darby. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the comics, games, movies and more covered in this episode. And you can find us on Twitter on at stayinginpod. Thanks for listening.